When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everyone, to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. This is Ben Man, year one. And with me is... I was New Bush, and then I came in and out again. So now I'm just, I'm just Andrew. <laughs> you can be New Bush for this one. We can I'm revise New Bush. it. It's a, it's a tribute to it. New Verse Creative. Yes. New, New Verse Creative is here. We've got Tim Maxwell again. <laughs> Welcome back, Tim. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me again. Great honor. Yes, thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, we this has kind of been a request from different people but we decided it's time to dive into this, and Tim already made an audio drama of this, so uh, let me bring this up. We are going to be covering this. French Lover 3000 was one of the uh, people who <laughs> requested this, saying, Hello, Hello fellows. Big fan of your work. Nice job of scoring an interview with Mr. Uslan. Quick question. With all this talk of unproduced Batman projects, are you guys aware that the Wachowskis wrote a short treatment that was meant to adapt Batman Year One? Apparently, they wrote it after The Matrix before moving on to the sequels. Here's a link if you guys are interested. So I, I wasn't uh, aware until this comment. So this was interesting coming in, and like I said, uh, Tim has adapted this over at Nuverse Creative as Batman Year One, the audio drama. Uh, a nice short one. It's about, uh, I think we reviewed it saying it was like about 16 to 17 minutes um, yeah. adapting that. So uh, it's a very short uh, pitch. We'll be going over it here as well but uh one of the things that um i thought was interesting or one of the reasons why i haven't really talked about this one that much earlier is that i'm not really sure if this is legit uh <laughs> there's not a single interview i could find with the with wachowskis at any point in time saying oh yeah we worked on batman and it never went through i mainly found internet rumors uh which i can talk about here uh, but I don't think they're legit either. And then the pitch treatment type of thing that's been released that that uh, Tim adapted is so true to year one, the comic, that I'm kind of, the cynical part of me is just like, this is way too true to the comics to actually be legit. Because you know that, it, if, I feel like the Wachowskis would have like their own stamp on it or something that, something weird to it or some other twist to it. Uh, like it, yes. it is not, it's not a direct translation of the comic, but it is like so close. And also certain parts seem like it's even more, um, let me know if you felt this way, Tim, but like it almost feels a little bit more PG-13 than the original comic too, which didn't feel like the Wachowskis either to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely does. Yep. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Certain choices just feel like, okay, like that 
seems like you're going more for even more for the PG or PG-13 than the harder PG-13 that we would get in the in the future movies from here. So I don't know. That's the reason why. But I thought it was worth bringing up and having a discussion about it. And of course, you know, any excuse is a good excuse to bring Tim on and, and promote uh, the stuff that uh, uh, we worked on together for the audio drama. So uh, I thought, why not? Let's do it. So. Uh, let's cover some of the rumors uh, that I got here. I don't know if um, you heard about these, Tim, but uh, I have a uh, an old post from MatrixFans.net uh, that from around 2002 they posted this, and this is apparently as well. I remember reading this back in 2002 as well. So mm. uh, this is, these are all rumors. It says uh, the Wachowskis refused Warner Brothers' offer. They figured that their own comic book franchise with the Matrix trilogy was better and more original than the deal Warners were offering, so they politely declined. Uh, and then they went on to do the Matrix sequels, but their ideas for the Batman franchise were simple and revolutionary at the same time. Revolutionary from Warner Brothers' point of view, that is. Again, this is all grain of salt. This is all according to this, this one fan. Um, they simply <laughs> wanted to do a live-action version of the comic book and were greatly influenced by the Neil Adams era of Batman comics. So tough, diabolical villains. The Wachowskis are reportedly in love with the 1970s comic, The Joker's Five-Way Revenge. Uh, an isolated, maniacal Bruce Wayne slash Batman. I don't know if maniacal is the best way to describe the, <laughs> the Neil Adams era of Batman, but interesting. Um, with the emphasis on the detective aspect of the Batman persona, making Batman super smart as well as super tough. Fluid, violent, plotting, loaded with action, confrontations, and the so-called classic Batman comic book three-act plot, which is broken down here. Batman confronts the villain, and then he loses. That's act one. Act two, Batman and villain meet again, and it's an equal match. Act three, Batman and villain finally face off, at which point Batman prevails. I think this is, like, very apparent in, like, the Steve Englehart, like, strange apparitions stuff, especially with, like, Dr. Phosphorus. So, uh, apparently, they really love this. Uh, none of this is really that apparent, though, in this uh, year one treatment, which, again, it could just be that all of this is just fan talk, and the Wachowskis were never involved with any of this. So this is all just fake. Um, and uh, they also were reportedly looking at uh, three actors for Batman, none of whom were Keanu Reeves. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> what was listed were Johnny Depp and Jude Law and Guy Pierce. Okay. Again, seems mm. fake to me. Johnny Depp Seems is not a good pick, dude. I just, <laughs> I just don't. I don't think. I don't yeah. see any. I don't see any of them as a good pick. Yeah. So, uh, and then for year one, right? Like it. It seems like, like at the time, I don't think Jude Law was, was a good pick for Batman. But he's the only one who would have been at the age where it would have mm. made more sense. Uh, I think Guy Pearce and Johnny Depp are already too old at that point. Uh, for a year one Batman. So, like, none of this type of stuff adds mm. up or, or matches up. But, again, it's fun to speculate about uh, or at least cover what this is. And worst-case scenario, this is an episode covering a bunch of fan fiction. So we uh, might as well dive into the treatment. <laughs> again, it is a very short treatment. It's about two and a half pages um, when it was uh, sort of written out. But uh, we, can, uh, we can go into this. Uh, and then... Before I go, uh, so Tim, you got a hold of this with um, just searching around the internet, or how did you first learn about this? Um, I think I'd heard about it uh, a long, long while back, and I think I may may have even saw it at some point. And I didn't. I don't think I thought much of it at the time. And then um, I have a guy that emails me from time to time, different 
um, unproduced, mm-hmm. you know, scripts and screenplays and treatments, you know, like this one. And so it ended up in my inbox one day. So I was kind of reminded of it. I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And so I read through it again. I'm like, you know what? I should just adapt this. I, I should I should adapt this as an audio drama just as is, you know, just mm-hmm. take it and take it from screen to audio. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. from screen to audio, from script to audio. And so that's what I did. Um, it just landed in my inbox. And I was like, all right, here we go. I'm just going to just gonna roll with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, we'll dive into what we got here for this treatment. Uh, so there's two different copies. I, I noted it to Tim before we started that like one says proposal, but it misspells proposal. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't. It feels even more evident. Oh yeah, this, this is fan made. But let's go into it. So uh, as usual, we start with the death of the Waynes because why not? Uh, again, this is supposed to be year one anyway, so it makes sense. So it says the scene is Gotham City in the past. Party is going on, and from it descends Thomas Wayne and his wife, Martha, and son, Bruce. Now, I thought this was interesting at first. It says it was a party. Uh, But it says they are talking with Bruce chatting away about how he wants to see the Mark of Zorro again. Obviously, they have just come from a movie premiere. So it's not just a screening of the Mark of Zorro. It is a movie premiere of the Mark of Zorro. So that's cool. Um, As they turn a corner to their car, they are met by a hooded gunman who tries holding them up. There's a struggle, and the Wayne parents are murdered in a bloodbath. Bruce is left there when he is met by a police officer. There is a screech, and a bat flies overhead. 20 years pass. So Bruce is now 28 and quite dynamic. The main character has been traveling the world, training for a war on crime to avenge his parents' deaths. He is at the Ludlow International Airport, where his butler, Alfred, picks him up. The two drive to Wayne Manor, just outside of Gotham. Bruce watches the city from the distance. The scene moves to downtown Gotham, where Bruce is uh, basically wearing a disguise, not this one. And again, like we said before, this is a little bit more of a PG version of this. So in the original comic, he basically dresses up like Travis Bickle, goes to like the red light district, fights with a pimp and a bunch of prostitutes. Here, he's wearing a hockey mask and black clothes. It just says a fight breaks out between him. Oh, it says him and a pimp. So there is a pimp in this, Never mind. Uh, But it's very loose with the details. Uh, it leads to Bruce escaping to a rotting building. Bleeding badly, he doesn't know whether to continue his crusade against crime. A screech fills the area, and a bat dives at him, knocking him into an old chair. Bruce realizes his destiny. So, classic point where he sees the bat for the first time. Interesting change in this one that he sort of has this moment in an abandoned building as opposed to Wayne Manor, like the classic comic, where he's like in the study. It does the whole, I shall become a bat in the library. So... <laughs> That's different here. Uh, Then it says the opening credits. So this is all in like the first five to ten minutes, which is kind of cool. Just gets right to it, right? A lot shorter period of time than uh, than in Batman Begins. Uh, So the opening credits feature Bette Bruce at Wayne Manor, slamming down a hammer on scrap metal, molding it into shape. By the end, we see a cow of metal with bat ears. So his cow has like a metal, like interior skeleton. So it can stab people? I think it's just more for protection, but you, <laughs> again, this is like a, a little bit more for all ages, not necessarily more violent. I want him to do headbutt stabs. <laughs> Maybe in the sequel. With bullet time, as he does it. Yes. Actually, they'd have to do that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, definitely. So uh, it says, two months have passed. Captain James Gordon leads a squad into a building, stopping a maniac that has kidnapped three girls. The captain does good and arrests the madmen, but at police headquarters, his superior, Gillian Loeb, Commissioner Loeb, as seen here, 
uh, doesn't seem pleased. The Roman, a man known as Carmine Falcone, tells of how Gordon has cracked down on many of his smuggling rings, so Loeb calls someone, saying, I have a job for you. Next, Gordon walks through Holiday Plaza, where he is stopped by a police officer that Gordon recognizes, known as Flash. So we have that classic Flash versus Gordon moment. Or do we? Because it says the two fight, but Flash has himself, uh, is himself beaten to a pulp by a cloaked mystery who disappears as quickly as he appeared. So a little bit different with the timeline here. It looks like Gordon uh, kind of has the confrontation with Flash after Bruce becomes Batman, and Batman saves him during the fight. Uh, we don't have the whole thing of Flash beating up Gordon with baseball bat and, and Gordon getting his revenge this way. It's all just kind of this one confrontation. Uh, moving further, we get a woman, Selena Kyle, breaks into an old factory where cats are being manipulated for genetic study. Okay, so now things are very different from the comic. She's no longer, even though we had the pimp from earlier, she doesn't work for that pimp. She's somebody who's uh, trying to free cats. So this is kind of a little bit of Batman the Animated Series where... Mm. Uh, Catwoman was more blatantly portrayed as like an animal activist. Uh, so we kind of have that DNA in here from whoever wrote this, whether it's the Wachowskis or some fan. Uh, so she frees the abused animals and gets into a fight with the scientists there. Before they can hurt her, a gas spreads that knocks them out. That knocks them out. As Selena covers her mouth, she sees a cloak flap through a broken window. For a reason, she begins to grin. So once again, somebody gets saved by Batman, but we don't quite see him yet which is a cool choice at this point. Uh, so Gordon is giving a speech about the hunt for the mysterious Batman to a group of police officers. One of them is Sarah Essen, who asks what he looks like. There's another thing, too. Sarah Essen is in this, but Gordon does not have an affair with her. <laughs> Even okay. just more stuff to just make this a little bit less adult. Uh, so Sarah Essen asks what Batman looks like. Gordon replies, big black bat. Easy enough. Uh, as they leave, Loeb pulls Gordon over and warns him that if he doesn't start caring a little less about work, then hell will come to him. Gordon tells Loeb that he is a police officer and he knows his job very well, despite most people in Gotham. Uh, next, we do get the classic dinner party scene, which I would have loved to have seen in live action at some point. Uh, yeah, this the is rich, a must, I think, yeah, eventually. This yeah. The rich, greedy socialites discuss how Batman is keeping the honest cops busy. Glass smashes and the room fills with smoke. Batman appears and tells them that their days are numbered. Not one of them is safe. So that classic moment to a T. Uh, Falcone's men start firing and Batman gets away with only a few scratches. Uh, Bruce then rests at Wayne Manor, recovering from the bruises and scratches. Uh, Alfred informs him that this is madness. Uh, Bruce decides to see his parents' graves, where he tells them that if he feel, fails, he can't wait to be with them. Um, which stood out to me. I really like that uh, that sentiment uh, in there. That's one of the things that kind of stood out to me in this because so much of it is kind of just a, feels like a diluted version of the comic book. Uh, but this, this moment feels a little bit more like it's a little bit more of its own thing. I mean, obviously Bruce talking to his parents, Graves is something we've seen over and over again, but that specific sentiment um, stood out to me as well. So moving further, Gordon sent by an angered Loeb, asks assistant DA Harvey Dent whether he is Batman. Harvey tells him that it's ridiculous and that Harvey isn't free enough to do the job, so Gordon leaves and Batman appears from the shadows. Uh, Gordon and Essen are driving their car when they almost hit a woman. Batman saves her and the two corner him in a construction site. Police swarm the area and Loeb orders a bomb to be dropped on the building. This happens and then the SWAT team files in. 
So this mm-hmm. classic moment is in here, which we've seen kind of some variation of in different stuff. We had this in uh, Mask of the Phantasm in animated form. We obviously had this in the animated movie. Uh, and then not necessarily uh, Batman fighting the SWAT team in Batman Begins, but he does end up using the bats on, the, on them in Batman Begins, but then fights the SWAT team in The Dark Knight. Um, so it says Brandon, the leader, heads through and they search for Batman. A chase begins and bullets fly through the air. He escapes and eventually causes, of course, a swarm of bats to attack uh, all the citizens and escape outside the building. So we are about uh, halfway through already on this. It's a brisk pace, as you can see. It's only, you know. Well. Yeah, it's only two and a half pages. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, so far, I mean, what do you you think so far, Andrew, since this is your first time hearing about this one? Uh, I might have read year one years ago so i don't even know what to compare it to <laughs> thank you for the notes um but uh what do they th- is it just some random internet dude that wrote this that's we don't my know suspicion yeah how, how do you feel tim um i don't know i mean i think there's definitely some some things that make it appear that way especially like the cover the, the cover sheet that says, you know, proposal spelled wrong. <laughs> right. Um, and what you mentioned earlier about it being pretty close adaption to the source material. Um, but at the same time, it, it does do some things like the whole Catwoman and cat thing or Selena Kyle and cat thing. And there's a scene at the end, which we'll get to that I think is pretty original that mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I mean, I will probably, I mean, like I said before the show, we'll probably never know. One of the things I like is the scene with Bruce Wayne talking to his parents. Yeah. And that sentiment that you noted about him saying, if I fail, then I can't wait to be with you, I think is, I think it's eerily similar to Robert Pattinson's Batman when he says to Alfred, if I can't have an effect here, then I don't care what happens to me. Mm-hmm. Like, pretty much like, if I if I fail, then I might as well just be dead. I like, then there's no purpose for me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's very similar to Robert Pattinson's. And so... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like even that part and a couple other minor parts are pretty well thought out, mm-hmm. but doesn't mean it's legit. I'm just saying I, 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 there's some things about it that I like. Yeah. So I wanted uh, to talk about too, the Wachowskis, they did, um, speed racer too, which I've never seen, but people, it's a, like right. a cult classic at this point. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that wasn't rated R. I know that much at least. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I uh, I think it would be in their wheelhouse to, do a PG-13 Batman. Also, they were, you know, kind of the king, king you know, kings, queens at at Warner Brothers at the time. They just the Matrix, mm. right? So yeah, right. that's Warner Brothers picture. I'm sure that the Wachowskis were There's approached. Discussion. Yeah, at least I don't know if this script is legit or not, but um, you know, I'm I'm sure they could do a PG-13 Batman for sure. Oh, I'm uh, sure. Th- I'm sure yeah. they could. I'm not saying that uh, I'm not saying that they couldn't. It's more of just like this feels like more watered down than I would expect. Well, it's not enough either. Like two pages, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel professional enough. Though it's not professional yeah. length. I think. Yeah, because the other treatments. Treatment. Yeah, the treatments like the when we first brought Tim on, it was for that Spider-Man one, which I mean that was from Jim Shooter, who's not really you know a uh, you know was more for comics than for screenwriting, but that felt more hefty. You know, that felt more like an actual treatment. Right. This one, yeah, it's so yeah. short. It's just like, 
it's 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 really ambiguous unless you know again like somebody comes out and says like yes this is definitely what they had in mind like that drew goddard spider-man thing too that was sort of a treatment right yeah or some draft was going around or, or something there was definitely uh i mean we we at least got that information from the emails that got leaked out in the sony hack uh, okay but uh yeah oh yeah as a follow-up to that uh as a quick tangent um they there was a talk about that because there's a recent Marvel book uh, that what? came out where Drew Goddard or somebody confirmed that it would have featured Andrew Garfield Spider-Man riding a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So <laughs> the Savage Land was there. <laughs> it can be done well, but it sounds like it could also go the the opposite way as well. It it does sound like such a shift from the movies that Andrew Garfield was actually yes. in. Yes. That it could like like you said it, it's well it's such a big swing too right that yeah. uh, I could easily see it being like okay this is either going to really suck or it's going to be amazing no pun intended exactly, um, exactly <laughs> yes yes so um, but yeah this is what we uh, this is what we got for the first half of this treatment I know this is really short guys we have plenty <laughs> of other stuff to talk about um, after we're done but I think uh, we'll do uh, we'll just put the break here so we'll see you guys after the break. All right, everyone, we have November announcements, and uh, since he was part of the episode we're recording, Tim Maxwell is here from Nuverse Creative. So uh, Tim and I have a few collaborations that I want to tell you guys about, some of which you may have already heard. Uh, they, these were definitely um, produced very quickly to the point where they were, I didn't have anything uh, in last month's announcements for these, so I'm making up for that this month. Uh, so we have three to talk about. One is Batman Forever, Night of the Reaper, uh, and that is an adaptation of the Dennis O'Neill, Neil Adams story, but set in the world of Batman Forever, uh, which has been really cool. So uh, anything else to add on that, Tim? Yeah, I just wanted to say I'm a huge fan, or I, th- I think the whole Val Kilmer Batman and even George Clooney, it's very, very nostalgic for me and I think for a lot of people. And so I think it's cool that we've written or you've written a story and put it in that world. And we could just imagine uh, a little bit more of the the stories and what what could have happened, you know, with Doc nice. Batman. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and you know, maybe we'll we'll dive more into it in the future. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, this one is Batman '89: A Vow from the Grave, another adaptation of the 1970s story, but this time for Keaton's Batman. As you can see from the uh, thumbnail that Tim did, this is the blue and gray suit that you see in the vault in the Flash. And if you're a believer that uh, the Batman in the Flash is different from the Burton Batman, then you can use this as an explanation for the Iron Winch suit in the Kenner toys. So it's up to you on uh, on that. But uh, we uh, we I, I did think it would be cool to have different audios that cover each of the suits. So the original first appearance suit we did with Case of the Chemical Syndicate. This one, Val from the Grave, uh, considering that that suit looks very much like the Neil Adams style Batman suit. So, uh, anything else on this one? Yeah, I was gonna say I we had a or I had a comment recently where I think someone made the request that we make a story or an audio drama or, or audio story for every or for each of the suits that Keaton has mm-hmm. um, in that vault, which I think would be pretty neat. Which was actually something I remember when I was a kid and getting all the different action figures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it didn't make sense to me that that those suits weren't in the movie. And I remember thinking, I don't remember seeing him in a yellow suit. Like, <laughs> I, like, like, like I love the toy, but I don't remember this from the movie. 
And so I think fast forward to now, it, it's cool that we can either come up with stories or use stories to put in that world that would validate or or give a reason for that suit. And so I think that's mm -hmm. fascinating. Yeah. That, that is a good point too. There's not just, because like after, after this one, those are the first two suits. And then obviously you got the 89 return suit and the one from the Flash. And then there's kind of just mm -hmm. two left that are in that vault. Uh, but then there's all the Ketter variations. So... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's there's a lot. There's a lot of possible stories here. Yeah, it's endless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the next one is set in the Dark Knight universe. This is the Dark Knight Fears. This is an adaptation of the Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale story from the Haunted Knight collection, where Christian Bale's Batman in this one is fighting. You know, he's in a rematch with Killian Murphy's Scarecrow, set during the Halloween. You know, that happens after or in between Batman Begins and the Dark Knight. So. Uh, really, really enjoyed working on, on this one as well. I mean, I, I liked working on all of these, but this was one where it was kind of fun to, I mean, it's my first one writing in that world, you know, because I've written a bunch of the Keaton ones that um, mm. uh, some of the, you know, the, the Nolan style is, is actually very fun to, to try to write or, or try to capture uh, and the way that uh, the, the different Bruce's talk, uh, I'll talk about this in the episode, um, it, it becomes a little bit more apparent when you have to do something like this where, each Batman is narrating each story. It's been really fun. Yeah, yeah, and, and huge props and thanks to you for writing these. Uh, I think they're fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, uh, we'll uh, yeah, we'll have a lot more to come. But those sure. are the three that will have been announced or will have been released by the time that uh, this episode comes out. All right, over to Andrew. Woo! All right, everybody, talk, check out uh, Gaming Guide, and that's my other podcast. It's about video games. Uh, Gaiden is spelled G-A-I-D-E-N, Gaming Gaiden. We're on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening app. And uh, it's a lot of like retro gaming, 90s gaming, and uh, also uh, Japanese translation of video games and that whole world. So, uh, And also if you grew up reading Electronic Gaming Monthly magazine, there's stuff for you in there as well <laughs> and um yeah gaming guide and check it out uh probably best on youtube but it's good anywhere gotcha. and uh moving on to the next one metal force so go to www.metalforce.ninja that's the website for the project that i'm doing now and it's basically r-rated power rangers meet stranger things and it's a it's like a bloody horror movie that I'm working on and we just finished our Kickstarter but I'm announcing now that we're going to run a Seed and Spark crowdfunding mm. uh, page again because the Kickstarter was run during the strike and not many people could do it etc etc so first month or two uh, in, um, in 2024 we'll run a Seed and Spark for people that couldn't make it then and then we'll get to shooting after that. So, uh, yeah, please check out MetalForce.Ninja for all the details. Nice. And then, uh, finally, last but certainly not least, in fact, probably the most important, is our monthly charity uh, promotion. And uh, this is for uh, the month of November is the month of Thanksgiving. And it's known for uh, having plenty of food, but unfortunately not everybody in the world gets to experience that. So... Uh, for that, we are promoting No Kid Hungry, which is a way for you to donate and support the work in food banks, schools, and 
and other places where children can be provided with, with food and, and meals and, and uh, not go hungry, as the, as the title says. So go to nokidhungry.org, donate there. Again, these charity drives, we don't get anything out of them. We just randomly pick them because we think if you're a fan <laughs> of superheroes, you should also be a fan of uh, helping others. Yes, that's part of the whole vibe here. So, yeah, that's awesome, Ben. I actually wasn't aware till we got to, to, Usually we discuss, but I, no, pro, no problem. This is an awesome pick. I do love this. Perfect for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So, so, yeah, please go to nokidhungry.org. And with that, those are the announcements. Thanks, everyone. Well, you catch more flies with honey. If you like catching flies, that is, you stupid fuck. <laughs> We're back to discuss more of or the rest, really, of the uh, Batman Year One treatment that has been credited to the Wachowskis. Again, who knows if it's by them, but it's fun to talk about. So let's go into it. <laughs> I love we have healthy skepticism here, but you're, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just don't, I don't know if this is Wachowskis. <laughs> Yeah. Um, So, Selena Kyle, having been a witness at the construction site battle, designs a suit for use of stealing. Of course, we know what type of suit that is. Uh, She heads out ready for adventure and some fun uh, at Commissioner Loeb's residence. Uh, So Catwoman, a.k.a. Selena, breaks into the building and begins stealing his valuable jewels and statues. Batman arrives and the two fight. Gordon enters as well, so there's three of them, uh, Gordon having tracked Batman. A three-way battle begins, which leads to Batman saving Catwoman's hide. The two share a kiss on top of a gargoyle, which is a little random in this context, but uh, she evacuates the site. Gordon finds the Dark Knight once again, though, and informs him, and this is an interesting thing that Tim and I have talked about, informs him that he knows that Batman isn't trying to do bad things, uh, so Batman ignores, but Batman ignores and leaves him. Now, this is weird if you look at the context that a lot of different versions Batman is the one to try to get Gordon on his side. And Gordon's like, but you're a vigilante. I got to uphold the law. Like, it's the reverse in this one where it looks like Gordon is seeing that Batman can be a way to bring hope to the city and and help fight the corruption. But Batman, being early in his career, isn't trusting enough uh, of Gordon to really partner up with him yet. So um, is that one of the things? Because I know, Tim, you, you... brought up like there are different things or different little things that um, you think are really cool or, or thought up and so would you say this is one of those things yeah because i think like we were talking you know before the show is that there could be this version of gordon that similar to batman begins or taking that version but like a step even a step further of not only do i think you're doing good but hey, I think we want the same thing. I think we should work together. And I, you know, and as we talked about, there could be a lot more dialogue between them, of, you know, what that means for Gordon and and how he wants to work with Batman to take down crime in Gotham City because he kind of feels alone in his department. He feels like he's the only one that actually wants to uphold the law. And here he is talking to a costumed vigilante. He feels he has more in common with him than he does with with the commissioner you know mm. and so i thought i thought that could have been a really cool take and a really cool scene to get that relationship off the ground but it is mm. interesting that batman ignores him that that is very interesting yeah so he's just not ready yet here so <laughs> yeah. batman ignores and leaves but a piece of his suit with the logo of wayne enterprises is left behind i'm not really <laughs> sure which which piece that would be but uh <laughs> yeah. gordon has his next suspect 
Uh, so Batman is training when Alfred arrives to inform him that Captain Gordon is there. Bruce pretends to be drunk, just like in the comic, uh, as he enters with <laughs> Sarah Gor- with oh, oh, with Sarah, with Sarah Essen. Sorry, it says Sarah Gordon, but there's a period in between. Uh, so Gordon and Sarah are disgusted by his manner and leave. Bruce is impressed by his own acting and relaxes. Um, so pretty much the same scene from the comic, but with Sarah Essen instead of uh, Gordon's wife. Uh, two weeks later, Bruce is in an old cavern where he is slowly designing a cave. Of course, that's the Batcave. Uh, Batman is at the Roman's penthouse watching him. Catwoman breaks into Falcone's penthouse. Falcone and his men start a chase moving through the building. Batman helps to take them out, and Catwoman uses her claws to scar the Roman. Very similar to the comic. Uh, Loeb is in a meeting with Falcone, and they discuss how Gordon seems to be cleaning up Gotham too much. Loeb asks about Falcone's scarred cheek, and he replies, my cat got angry. That was kind of a funny (laughs) response to that. Um, Oh, my God. Falcone has a plan to get rid of both Gordon and Batman, and so while Gordon is walking with his wife and daughter, Barbara, Barbara Jr., Oh, wait, so yeah, Gordon's wife is in this, but she's not named. It's just his daughter being named Barbara. Uh, They are suddenly surrounded by Falcone and his men. Bullets begin flying, and Barbara, the daughter, is kidnapped. Gordon takes a motorbike and chases their car through the streets. Batman shows up and promises Mrs. Gordon to rescue her daughter. Uh, So instead of it being James Jr., now it's Barbara Gordon, the future Batgirl, which I think is a good choice. I always was sort of mystified when I first read Year One, and I was just like, wait, they have a son? What about Batgirl? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then obviously it, it led to James Gordon Jr. becoming weirdly a serial killer character in the comics. It's a weird what? thing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, this is not in the, in the treatment. So Falcone's men crash at one of the bridges and a fight ensues. Batman comes and stops them. Falcone gets away but finds himself cornered by Catwoman. The two battle and finally Catwoman knocks him out before leaving. Uh, this does give Catwoman a little bit more to do outside of just becoming Catwoman in the comic, actually. Because uh, it seems like that's kind of what she ends up doing. In That's that's all she ends up doing in the comic, but this kind of gives her a little bit more of a role to play. She has a lot more interaction with Batman, a lot more of a role with, with taking down Falcone. So mm-hmm. uh, I do appreciate that aspect. Uh, Batman and Gordon find Falcone, whom Gordon arrests. Sirens can be heard, and Gordon says Batman can go. He's done enough for the city. Then, towards the end, it's the end of the year, and bullets are flooding through Gotham Reservoir, chasing after a madman using a speedboat. Gordon, Gordon orders his officers to stop him before he poisons the reservoir. The character turns, and all that is seen is a large, evil grin. There is a flap, and Gordon grins as Batman dives over his head. The end? Question mark. And that's all we got. So... Pretty much year one with some stuff changed here and there, uh, or Catwoman giving a little bit more of an expanded role. Uh, Gordon and Batman's dynamic flipped a little bit in terms of Gordon wanting to team up with Batman, and we actually do get to see a little bit more of Joker at the end with the whole Gotham Reservoir thing. So, what are your thoughts, Andrew, on this? Uh, I mean, it's just not enough. For one, but then they also short. say yeah. that it's a it's a they liked that that um, big typewriter one or whatever uh, in the beginning. What? Well, they like liked a, the Neil Adams Batman. the Neil Adams one where they're jumping on big shit or no? That, that's Dick Spring. Yeah. The, oh, what's the, the other? What's the what do they like? They, they like, the, like uh, the 1970s like detective stuff. Super which, dark. I mean, it's not super. It was dark at the time, right? Uh, like it, it was just. Not 
like not nearly as dark as Frank Miller's year one. So in a way, I guess it could be like Frank Miller's year one if it were told in the Neil Adams era, maybe, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it doesn't quite match up to what the, the rumors said either, where it was just like they were very much fans of that, of the 1970s era with the like three act structure of fighting the villain or them really liking the Joker's five way revenge. And this is kind of just year one with bits and pieces changed. Yeah, they like the Joker's five way revenge, but the treatment is this. It's just further credence that it, I mean, who knows? They could do both, I guess, but it's. Or, um, both is both are made up. Like unfortunately, but, there's just not yeah, any legit both, information. Or both stuff made that up. we consider legit information. I'd love to hear more about that. I mean, the people that made the Matrix making a Batman film is an awesome proposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we're going to be getting that anytime soon, but That's... you know, we got Cloud Atlas instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know which I've never I seen. seen. Have yeah, you seen I it, Tim? I've not seen that, no. <laughs> okay. People don't like it that much. There is a weird <laughs> Speed Racer like bombed at the box office, I think. And but since then it does have Getting kind of love. a cult it's got a yeah. cult following for sure. Mm-hmm. Um so I've heard it from several people that don't know each other. It's strange. But um yeah. uh but yeah, if they were to put like I've seen some clips of Speed Racer, if they were to do like that kind of dynamic some sort of dynamic camera work like that with Batman, maybe during the fight scenes or something, that would have been so cool. That could have been, oh, yeah. that could have been their stamp. And obviously, they can handle fight. They kind of re, action, they kind of yeah. redesigned action, <laughs> right? For forevermore. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, honestly, now that the more I think about it, that would have been incredible. Like yeah. Snyder, eat your heart out type shit. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know, man. I wish there was more to go on. It's just so much. There's a cartoon for 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 year one, right? The movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, the animated movie? movie. I have seen that. Okay, so I was able to compare a little bit, and um, I don't know. I, I just need more, I guess. It was fine. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah. Uh, so Tim, do you want to talk more about um, any other things that you liked about the treatment, as well as like what the process was like to turn this into an audio drama? Yeah, I think first of all, one of the things that that stands out to me, even as we're talking about the possibility of of them even wanting to make a more pg pg 13 batman you also got to think this is coming off of batman and robin where which was very campy um there was probably and not probably there were some different ideas of where to take the franchise so i know warner brothers was taking a lot of pitches and so that that's another reason why i think this could be legit is because i think there was and probably even more pitches that we don't even know about that came Mm -hmm. in um and so there's probably some that were really dark some that were maybe a little bit lighter maybe with a little bit of an edge stuff like this that go that's an adaptation but with a little bit of uh kind of fresh take to it and so yeah I, i put i you know i have to put it into perspective of the time of warner brothers was in kind of a tough spot of where do we want to take the Batman franchise, because even Joel Schumacher, I think, pitched an idea of doing a Batman Year One, which I think would have would have and could have been very interesting because would it have mm. been set in the Burton Schumacher shared universe with a younger actor? What, what would they have done? And so there's a lot of different ideas, and obviously, what we got was Batman Begins, and I don't, I haven't met a whole lot of people that complain about that movie. I think it's <laughs> right. really solid, you know. Mm. 
And so when it came to adapting the audio drama, it was just straightforward. It was just, um, I didn't think at the time of, of adding more to it. I was like, let me just take it as is and kind of produce it with, with a narrator and some voice actors for the few lines that are there. I think I was nervous about adding to it. It wasn't something I was comfortable with at the time because I just wanted it to be an adaptation of the vision that was there for the treatment. Um, and obviously now we're at a point where it's like, Hey, we could probably take that and just add some flesh to the bones, you know, and make it a little Mm -hmm. more complete. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really all there was to it. I think I was looking for a small project at the time and it was a very quick project. It was, I think it was a 16 minute audio drama. Mm -hmm. I think my favorite thing about it though, and this is the last thing I'll mention in terms of the audio drama, I think is that I really liked the music that I chose for it. That's really um, good, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, because I, you know, when it comes to something that that's unproduced, that's not connected to another, um, you know, existing universe or franchises, I don't want to use music that's from that. I want, I don't want to use the '89 mm-hmm. Danny Elfman theme. I want it to mm-hmm. be its own thing. I want it to feel original because that's what it would have been. It would have been a new original take. And so, I went looking for something that had a just kind of an epic, you know, but also like industrial kind of because you know that scene of the or the the the, the title sequence of him, you know, banging on the cowl. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. sounds a very like kind of industrial um raw batman you know in his very early stages so i wanted the music to reflect that and so i was really happy with the main theme that i used mm-hmm. um and i would love to use it again for another batman project if, if it doesn't interfere with this one just because I, I really like it i think it it kind of mm-hmm. fits it very well so i hope hope that people enjoyed anyone that hasn't heard it um you could definitely still check it out but um keep your eyes and ears peeled because we might do a more updated version of it Yes, we might. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> let's go into some of the stuff that, uh, you know, a lot of the people listening in or watching in might be familiar with your stuff from your previous time on here, as well as the fact that I've been promoting promoting our collaboration. So we might as well talk about some more of those or some of our, our more recent ones, as well as upcoming stuff that we can talk about on here. Mm-hmm. So obviously... Case of the Chemical Syndicate, that was what was released around the time that you were last on here. Uh, prequel to 89 explains the first appearance suit, basically an adaptation of Detective Comics number 27. Um, had a great time uh, on that one. Of course, it's the, it's the first one that was released, not the first one I worked on uh, for it, but uh, just it was really cool just hearing it all come together. Mm. Um, so, uh, and then of course, the follow up to that, as we mentioned during the break, uh, if you guys did listen to the break. Uh, was Batman 89, A Vow from the Grave. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about how this sort of series has come about. Because I know you came to me with the idea of like, hey, what if there was a bunch of like short stories narrated by different Batman? Yeah, so I think, um, well, not I think. <laughs> um, I was kind of in between projects and we're, you know, kind of getting into working on uh, Tim Burton's Batman three, um, Batman, um, uh, Batman Enigma, which is a fan comic. We're adapting that. It's really Mm -hmm. amazing. I'm excited about it. Uh, we have another Batman, um, uh, we have another Batman year one project actually, um, in the pipeline as well. So those are some bigger projects that I wasn't quite ready to dive into just yet. 
And so I was thinking, what is something that we can do just to keep some content going, but also something kind of cool and, and new. Mm-hmm. And so I just got the idea, hey, let's do some short stories that are narr- that, that are narrated, kind of told from the perspective of, you know, kind of a first person perspective, especially Batman. And who knows where we'll, where we'll go from here. But um, and you being such a seasoned writer, um, I just. I knew like, I wanted to reach out to you and say, "Hey Ben, <laughs> got anything in mind?" And you came back with some really solid ideas, and I don't, which I'm really grateful that you did because I'm really happy with the ones we've done so far. But yeah, that's kind of where the idea came from. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I kind of because I was thinking it through. This is after like writing a couple of these, and um, what I've sort of been a fan of over the years is. For the for those who uh, don't know, one of the other things that I that I that I really like, maybe not as much as Batman, is uh, is Doctor Who, and in Doctor Who they had there's another company called Big Finish that produces audio dramas that bring the old cast to reprise their roles years after they played the roles. So wow. even though you know someone like Tom Baker, who's like in his 80s, played the Doctor in the set in you know in 1970s, he can still play the Doctor now vocally because it's all audio it doesn't matter that he doesn't look the same uh along with a lot of the other cast members and that's sort of they find continuity patches to like little gaps to fill in little things to explain or other ways for these interpretations to to live on so when you came with this idea of this is these are no longer just adaptations of stories that we already know are in that world uh or scripts that could have been in that world these are ones that could still be, uh, these could be ones that we add to those worlds. It did remind me of the, sort of the big finish stuff where like this is sort of the way for these interpretations to live on beyond the movie versions that you saw and sort of expand or, or deepen certain versions of the characters. Um, so uh, it's it's been really cool to discover a lot of, a lot, you know, funny enough for me, to, I guess for me to say, given that I do the show for so long, but discover other things or new things about these characters um, through doing that because I've I've found certain like nuances or different things that are different from writing, say, Keaton's Batman versus Kilmer's Batman versus Christian Bale's Batman and so on. Because um, mm-hmm. each one narrates it. Each one has to sound like it comes from him. Right. Keaton, I think, honestly, out of the... Th- it's, it's, again, this is funny considering how much Keaton stuff I do. I feel like Keaton's the toughest to write because of the fact mm-hmm. that he... So much of that version is in just Keaton's presence. And his performance, that like if it's like, well, how does he talk? Like he, he the way he commands himself as Batman is so different from how he is as Bruce Wayne. That's it. It, it gets tough, you know. There, there was criticism of the um, of the '89 comic, uh, even though it was literally Sam Ham writing it. Um, of people saying like, this doesn't sound like the Keaton Batman, um, and I'm just like, it's literally the guy who wrote the script. I get that. Obviously, there are a lot of rewrites from other writers on there, but that just kind of shows how much of that presence comes from him. Um, but took a shot at it, and uh, one of those is is this one, A Vow from the Grave, where we really wanted to sort of explore, um, or I thought it would be cool to explore what's behind this blue and gray suit that's in the vault, in the flash. Why would he have worn it at one point? And uh, I just thought when going through the stories or different possible stories in the 1970s that could tie into the suit, this was the best one because it kind of becomes an origin story too of like one of, uh, Keaton's like most famous techniques uh, in in the '89 movie. So check that out if you haven't already. Um, that was a second one that we um, 
did out of the short stories. The first one was this one. Wait, hold on. Not this one. I went in a different order. I messed up. Uh, <laughs> we did Batman 89 Shadows, of course, um, which was, I realized, a huge undertaking. I did not realize it was going to be as long as it was <laughs> until I saw the final <laughs> cut. I'm sorry, Tim. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's <the> okay. <laughs> I was I like, this will be like, I don't know, maybe just, just right at an hour, a little less than that. And then the final mm-hmm. cut's like, what, an hour and 10 minutes or something? Yeah. Right. So, um, but yeah, that was really cool to listen to. So check that out. That's an adaptation of the 89 comic. Uh, and then, so this is the one that I was talking about. So this is the first short story um, that I did for Halloween. Um, and uh, again, an adaptation of the, the Night of the Reaper storyline that I thought was appropriate for the Kilmer Batman because of the fact that it is uh, a story built around revenge. And that's such a common, it's such a big theme for Batman Forever. As well as the fact that you've got a college-aged Dick Grayson in this. So it just fit the timeline. I wouldn't have to really change much when it came to writing the Robin part uh, for this. So um, <clears throat> I, I really loved how this one came together, uh, Tim, because of the... I, I just wasn't expecting... I'd never heard Brett's impression of Val Kilmer <laughs> uh, <laughs> before this. And then I just wasn't expecting... Um, like how well it was going to be paired with the Elliot Goldenthal music. Mm, yeah. So, yep. Uh, it's, uh, but yeah, there's, I know it, it's, I don't want to come on here and just praise something that I already was a part of, but I mean, it was, it was great to hear in terms of the stuff that I wasn't involved with, which was the, obviously the editing and the, and the acting. Mm. So, uh, and then this is one that has not been released as of this recording, but is going to be released on Halloween, which is The Dark Knight Fears adapting the the Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale comic that's in Haunted Night where Batman faces off against Scarecrow because I wanted, you know, like it it was partially, you know, we talked about this too. Like it it comes from that era around like 2005 through 2008 where you kind of speculate, hey, like they said the Narrows was lost. You got all these Arkham inmates. Scarecrow was on the loose. Like how was that like for that version of Batman to try to go up and capture all those narrow, you know, all the Arkham inmates from there and clean up the narrows. So this kind of fills in a gap in that story of that. Cause it's never really addressed again through the rest of the trilogy about what happened to the narrows. It's just kind of, it's just lost at that point. Right. Uh, you kind of presume that he caught everyone else. Cause clearly he does capture Scarecrow in the beginning of the dark Knight, But right. this one I thought was kind of a, this would have worked. And, and um, the, Obviously, with the Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale comics being so influential on on the um, on the Christopher Nolan movies, this this one I felt was the easiest actually to adapt to mm-hmm. a different world. Um, I really didn't do that much that was different uh, on this one compared to the other ones where I took a little bit more creative license here and there, um, maybe in terms of certain lines, but uh, that's about it on these. Uh, so let's see, we have. Others in the pipeline, though, that are coming up. Uh, so one was the one that you mentioned before, which is the Tim Burton Batman 3 audio drama. Um, so do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I've, I've been excited about this one for a long time. It's always fascinated me, the idea of Tim Burton and you know doing another Batman 3, which obviously never happened. Um, and um, it's maybe silly to even imagine you know batman forever in the style of tim burton's batman but um nevertheless there's so much fan art out there of it there's so much 
uh, there's so much of a of a fascination about it that why not we're in this world where we can do things mm-hmm. like this like audio dramas and deep fakes and all kinds of things that people <laughs> right. do to mm-hmm. help imagine these things and so i think it's just fun um and so but i think especially with uh, you know the voice actors that we work with like you know nick gonzalez that plays robin williams version mm-hmm. of the riddler right um he does a sensational job um, you know brett solferino playing batman and you know in the style of michael keaton is is amazing and and so it's it's really cool to imagine it also with the music and just putting it in that world and so it's really exciting i have started working on it and it sounds really really good um but this this will definitely be a a a longer one probably like you know batman 89 shadows and so Mm -hmm. it just just like a lot of the other bigger projects i've done they just take time they can take anywhere from a month to to three months you know and so they 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 just take time and so but it, it's coming it's going to come out at some point and so i'm i'm, I'm really pumped about it me too and yeah. uh yeah I've, I've, I've talked to nick nick's great uh i'm sure he's listening oh, cool. in too on, on stuff cool. but yeah, we've talked about some of the stuff that he um he's working on too so oh, awesome. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward he's fantastic. to fantastic yeah i'm looking forward to, to hearing the full version because uh you guys listening in do hear the trailer you know andrew's edited that in um to the stuff and and so because i know that trailer's been released with shadows as well as the other one that we, we can talk mm-hmm. about but uh yeah. this is uh this is kind of the culmination of all that fan art you know like we've been on record being like look this wasn't actually in the works the way people think it was but right. who are we to argue with you know what fans demands are uh for this because right. so this is you know the culmination of, of the fan art like what you see here that's that's paired with a thumbnail it, it's it's really like okay why don't we just why don't you just literally do uh the original script of Batman Forever, but to hear it with the you know the Elfman score, uh, to hear it with the voices that sound like the the actors who you know people have speculated about is going to be really cool, especially for for those who who have that on their list of things they wish they got to see. Yeah, and we'll definitely do a version of this in the style of Schumacher's Batman. So it'll mm-hmm. we'll do a version with you know like a Val Kilmer voice and the cast as you know it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the, the, the original script is uh, a little bit different and it, I think it'd be cool to imagine, uh, the, the earlier version of it, which you did a great job, Ben, of, well, you know, you. of adapting that into the, to the script for this. And so, um, I think, and that, I hope that's something that we do more of in the future of taking some of those original scripts. Um, and I know there's some that are quite different. Like there's an, a, a very early Batman two script before it was Batman returns, mm-hmm. which is a lot different from what we got and so i think some yeah. of those projects are are they're they're gonna happen at some point in in the future mm-hmm. yeah so i know yeah. these take a while or so <laughs> if i do this one again i'll try to ki- i'll try to cut it down even further <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> just for you put it down a few more pages <laughs> so uh yeah this is the other one this one is shorter uh than the others given what it is but um mm-hmm. this trailer got released with shadows uh this was one of my favorites to work on which was the batman year one so it's an adaptation of the darren aronofsky aronofsky frank miller script but adapted a bridge uh really to fit the world of matt reeves the batman as well as you know a bridge to to make it fit the newverse creative audience which is more of an all eight all audiences all ages uh type of channel so certain things that are just very hardcore rated are just not just not going to be in there don't expect Gordon to be suicidal and have a gun in his mouth for like four scenes or have, you know, Chi-Chi the pimp be a big character in those. This is just not going to be in that version, but it'll still be that tone. 
I can right. at least share that. Um, I, I also love the, how the trailer came together for that one, too. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one, too. Yeah, I got really excited about this one when you sent in the script for it, which is amazing, by the way. Didn't, oh, thank you. Didn't realize, yeah, I didn't realize how well this script or the tone of the script, aside from some of the more R-rated things in it, how well it fits in with Matt Reeves' version of the Batman, especially with the Batman taking place kind of, it's, it's a year two Batman, so what happens year one, you know? Mm-hmm. And just, you know, the whole, like, notes and observations folder that he has where he's jotting his notes, and you have in the original script for this, him writing notes to his parents. And, mm-hmm. and, um, it was a good seg. I think it could be a seg- good, good segue into, to, uh, to that version of Batman that we know of. And so mm-hmm. I'm really excited about it as well. And plus I get yeah. to play Batman for it. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You and I kind of get to have a confrontation. <laughs> we that. do. That's true. <laughs> you're, you're right about that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll have a voice role in that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, all of these, really, I'm looking forward to. Uh, no pressure on the editing, uh, but uh, I'm definitely. <laughs> I know uh, it's it's been. I think it's been great. Um, yeah. Obviously, other stuff in the, in the pipeline that uh, we can't talk about, but uh, I just thought, you know, for those who have been listening in, uh, you know, keep listening in, keep watching, keep uh, you know, keep supporting Newverse Creative because this is really a great way for these versions of the characters to live on past um, past the movies in ways that you know still. Like, it's it's been great to sort of find different comics that are just like, hey, this kind of really fits Keaton's Batman, or this fits Kilmer's, or this fits Bale's, and, and so on. So um, finding more of that stuff is just really other ways for these versions to, to live on. Yeah. So uh, I guess anything else that you wanted to share about these uh, upcoming projects or other things that you want to plug on the channel? Oh, just just thanks for the, um, for the support. Thanks for checking out our channel. Um, if you haven't checked us out, uh, just do so. Uh, give us a like, give us a <laughs> comment, you know, subscribe, and um, it's it's just a labor of love. So we hope you enjoy it. Sweet. Yep. All right. Uh, I guess uh, with that, that's superhero stuff you should know. Coming soon from Newverse Creative. certain world in a chaotic time justice wears a mask Batman does not kill what if those slain during his fight with Jack Nate the Joker love is a game let's just say I could write a heck of a paper on why a grown man dresses up like a flying rodent Bats aren't rodents, Dr. Meridian. Power is a machine. Question marks, Mr. Wayne. My work raises so many question marks. Here's one for you. Why hasn't anybody put you in your place? And revenge is a trap. The bat must die. Courage now. I'll save your bat butt back there. I think a little appreciation is in order. 
Truth always. Who's the boy wonder, Batman? Experience the original Batman forever. Finally performed in the style of the Burtonverse. I see without seeing. To me, darkness is as clear as daylight. What am I? Batman 3, based on the screenplay by Lee and Janet Scott Batchelor with Akiva Goldsman. Adapted by Ben Wan from superhero stuff you should know. My parents were murdered in front of me. I was just a kid. I can't remember exactly what happened. But now there's a new element. A red leather book. Coming soon. Big thanks to Dan for gathering the visuals for the YouTube version of this. Uh, we have fan comments to go over, uh, starting with Kendarius. Kendarius Dupree, we need to follow up with you. Your last comment was on how Kevin Conroy was the scariest Batman because he literally scared someone sane. To my shame, I had no idea what you were talking about. So Kendarius says, rewatch Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which just makes me feel shittier considering that's like my favorite. Uh, so he says the scene when he goes to the hospital to interrogate Arthur Reeves. For a split second, Batman scares him so bad, he stops laughing. Mm. Good point. I don't know if that's necessarily scaring someone into sanity, though. But Yeah, we, we don't know that, part, that character's full story, but I mean, he does stop laughing right there. Yeah, so yeah. It, it works well enough. But thank you, Kendall. Yeah, yeah that's, that's cool. Next is from SR Striker on uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, saying they should have gone with the fugitive subplot, I guess, Spider-Man on the run, considering that he gets exposed in, at the end of Far From Home. And, and the Sinister Six, instead of the Spider-Verse thing, I don't know how the Sinister Six would really work in the, the MCU version. I gotta be honest with you, man. I've never seen The Fugitive, bro. Have you seen it's it? It's good. Yeah? It's good. It's, 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 it's a solid Harrison Ford. Tommy Lee Jones got famous off of... I mean, he was famous, somewhat famous before, but like he, he got really famous from that for a that was That was his breakout role. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was in other stuff beforehand, but like that's the one he got the Oscar for, I think, for Best Supporting Actor. Okay. Um, there's there's a few big ones I haven't seen, but we're not going to go into all that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen The Fugitive. so I, it's, it's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy who directed it was the guy who did the OnStar commercials with oh, shit. Thomas okay. Batman. So there is kind of a Batman connection as well as, uh, you know, obviously Tommy Lee Jones um, yeah. being in it. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so moving further, Mike Martin says the picture of Defoe next to the Jim Carrey looking pic. <laughs> Not sure which one you're referring to, but I'll, I can maybe guess. It's supposed to be Norman if he got his hands on a dark elf helmet and tweaked it a bit. So this is referencing the No Way Home designs where Goblin, some of the Goblin looks were a little weird. I think there was yeah. one that kind of looked like more like Blue Beetle, but green. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So this is probably what Mike means. Uh let us know, Mike, how you got that information, or if you're just speculating. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is a joke, kind of. Cool. Yeah, maybe. Just try, like, just having a joke comment. I don't know. Yeah. Potentially. So, uh, yeah, let us know. But uh, thanks, guys, for uh, for checking out the Spider-Man concept art stuff. That was a fun series, but obviously we've run out of live-action movies so far to do that. So we're back to doing Batman stuff. 
<laughs> Obviously, the numbers are going to go way up at this point. Uh, now that we're back to the Dark Knight stuff, but uh, yeah. that's just kind of how it is for right now. But uh, thanks, everyone. And over to the shout-outs. Okay, thanks, everybody, for your comments. And we want to thank, let's see... Uh, Woo! Okay, let's start with Devin S, Carlos R, Jack G. Put your guns on, Michael C, and Braxton W, and our other supporters as well. Thank you guys so much, and thanks everybody here on the board, of course. And we have now told you about our friends here, and we would like you to do us a favor. We want you to tell all your friends about us. listening to the Geekscape Network.